0: Good morning. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, and when you find it, please stand with me to read God's Word. There's a lot of things that, that uh, as a pastor, I want for this congregation, but first and foremost is that we would love Jesus and love His Word, and that we would be like, like Paul said, that we would uh, eagerly receive the Word of God as the Word of God, and that we would hunger and thirst for God to speak to our souls. And um, today we're looking at a passage of Scripture that speaks of of a shepherd, a beautiful picture of a shepherd. We're going to read verses twelve through fourteen of Matthew eighteen. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we can be here today. What a gift to spend time with your people and to be in your presence together and to, to sing praises to you and to hear your word. And Lord, we, we, we love you and we love your word. And Lord, we want to eagerly receive from you what you have for us today. Lord, our, our souls are hungering and thirsting. We are needy, more needy than we know. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now in this moment. This is not just any day. This is the day that you have made. And this moment is one that you have ordained. And we pray, Lord, that you would have your way with us. And We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I have sitting on my desk a figurine of a shepherd that my mother-in-law gave me years and years ago. I have hanging on my wall in my office a picture of a shepherd in the field with a flock of sheep that was from my grandmother's uh, home, and when she passed away, that was one of the things I wanted the most. It's a simple, small picture of a shepherd tending his sheep, a a uh, shepherd caring. Now, the shepherd theme, the shepherd motif, if you will, is prominent in Scripture. You see it a a lot. Uh, Sheep and shepherds are are mentioned 247 times in the Bible. And and most Christians would know um, the most prominent places. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We know uh, that the Lord is our shepherd. Or Psalm 100 in verse 3, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Or Isaiah 40 in verse 11, that God, like a shepherd, will tend His flock. When Angela and I got married, one of the songs we chose was, for our wedding ceremony was Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is a shepherd, and that believers are his sheep. And as our shepherd, Jesus cares for us. Care is a word that can easily become um, commonplace. It can be looked down upon. It. Yeah, I don't care. Or I care, but we see it kind of as a weaker word. It is actually a very strong word. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus, our shepherd, cares for us and that he is intimately acquainted with us and that he is interested in what is going on with our lives. You think about 99 sheep being out out there up on the mountains with the shepherd and one goes away, 100 sheep and one goes away. And you would think, well, you know, I've got 99, so one, I won't miss one. No, uh, that one is, is significant, that one is important, that one is, uh, is worthy of uh, great effort to go and, and bring back. But the scriptures tell us that, that, that Jesus is our good shepherd. In fact, Jesus himself says that in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hebrews calls Jesus the great shepherd. Peter calls Jesus the chief shepherd shepherd he is our shepherd the good shepherd the great shepherd the chief shepherd and the triune god father son and holy spirit watches over us and cares for our souls like a shepherd watches and cares for his sheep we are sheep we are dependent we are needy we are prone to wander as the song goes already in matthew we've seen a, a few references to shepherds and to sheep in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6 it says this it says it was written by the prophet and and this is quoting Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 and you O Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel Jesus is also referred uh, is, is referred to as uh, seeing the people in, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them he felt deeply inwardly for them and towards them because of their situation and it says that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd sheep without a shepherd Here's the good shepherd who sees the people it felt, feels compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd And now what we see here in Matthew 18 is a parable. It's interesting to note this is a parable. It depends on how you count the parables in Matthew, but this might be the 8th or ninth. And we see, um, we're going to see a few more in Matthew, but here is a parable kind of out in the middle of nowhere, very brief and very um, to the point. And he uses the image of a shepherd and sheep to make a point. And let's see where we're at in context, though. Where have we been uh, to get us to this place in Matthew, what has happened to bring us to this small parable, and, and then we can see what's going on and see what the significance of this small parable is. So where have we been? Last week, in verses 7 through 11 of Matthew 18, we saw the idea of stumbling blocks, not causing a brother to sin, a brother or sister in Christ to sin, And before that, in the first six verses of Matthew 18, we saw that childlike faith is characterized by humility. The disciples were arguing about who is the greatest, who has the most prominence, who had the highest rank. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. You worry about seeing if you're actually in the kingdom. And you'll know if you're in the kingdom if you're humble. If you come to me humbly like a child... And so we saw the wording of these little ones who believe in me, and it's being carried throughout this, this text. There was the, the arrogant audacity of the disciples to think that they might be uh, having positions of prominence, and Jesus is pointing them back to, to positions of humility like a child, needy independent, and dependent and wanting. And what we have here, and, and I mentioned this last week, but Matthew 18, verses, uh, Matthew 18, 19, and 20, these three chapters, really form a, the fourth of five discourses of Christ, uh, where he is saying something big, and here he is talking about life in the community of faith, the covenant community of the king. We need to keep that as our, our anchor point here. This is the context in which he is speaking. Now, these three chapters lead us to the triumphal entry in Jerusalem where Jesus would go and die for the sins of the world. So we're, we're coming up to a place in Matthew where Jesus is, is about to get into his final week. But we're seeing here that, that how Christ's words are, are pointed at life in the covenant community of faith, how believers are to interact with one another in, in, in that community how they're to operate, how people saved by grace through faith in Christ are to relate to one another in light of God's glorious truths. That's what we're looking at. And our understanding of this short parable, it's also known as the 99 plus 1, the parable of the 99 plus 1, it must be seen in the context of this passage of not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, to be thinking soberly so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And it's got to be seen in the context of loving the church of Jesus by making sure you don't cause anyone who believes in him to stumble. Don't get them off track. Don't cause them to trip up. Don't divert them from what they were made to do. Worship God. It is very important. The the, the, the placement of of this parable is very important. There's another parable in Luke that sounds very similar, but it has a completely different application. This is very, very important to God That the church that was purchased by Christ's blood That would be at this point Purchased by Christ's blood He is sovereign over that church And he cares for that church And he monitors its affairs And he defends his loved ones And he cares so much for his own That's what we're seeing in this this parable Now how is that care displayed? What, What does he do? Now, according to these verses, uh, there are some primary things he does. Look at verse 12. What does Jesus do as the shepherd that cares for his sheep? Remember in verse 10, he said, don't despise, don't look down upon, don't think nothing of, don't, 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 don't treat with contempt one of these who believe in me. And then he says, there are angels in heaven, always see the face of my father who was in heaven. But the angels here aren't important. The shepherd is. And he says in verse 12, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? It doesn't mean he doesn't care for the other ninety-nine. They're safe and they're cared for. Maybe he has an assistant taking care of them. I don't know, but they're fine. And he's going to go and... and attempt to rescue and go and get the one who is in danger from wild beasts. The one who is in danger even from, from itself. He is going to go. And what we see first is that, that Jesus, as the shepherd, provides for his people. He provides for them. Uh, think about where, what it says in, in verse, uh, verse 12. He, he has a hundred sheep. He's got a hundred sheep. They're all fine. Uh, he feeds them. He provides for them. He cares for them. They're alive and well. He's got a hundred sheep. And then one of them wanders off. The word, therefore, go astray or wanders off is where we get our word planet. It's kind of wandering out there in the, uh, in the stratospheres. It's just out there and it's just moving about and it's, it's not anchored. It's not tethered. It's not, it's not with the, the flock. That sheep just kind of goes and wanders away. And I don't know a lot about sheep, but I know that aspect about sheep. And interestingly, you know how do I know it? From right here. the Sheep wander. And one of them might wander away. It's not a, a crazy occurrence. This is something that happens. A sheep can wander away. A shepherd is tending the flock and he's got a lot of them. And one happens to kind of keep going when everyone else turns left. So he provides for his people And and you you see that in in Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures Where there's great grass to eat He leads me beside still waters Where I can drink the water And not get swept away by the current Key word Gone astray And what do we see here? How does he provide? He provides by going to great lengths To rescue the wandering God goes to great lengths to rescue the wandering. In Ezekiel chapter 34 in the context of him speaking to the shepherds of Israel who were supposed to shepherd his people, he said, you care, you're caring for yourself. You're taking care of yourself. You're not caring for the flock. So I myself i am going to care for the flock. I'm going to go seek them out. I'm going to go find the scattered and the lost and bring them back. It's pointing to when Jesus Christ would come. But Jesus provides for his people And and you see the provision In his going to great lengths To rescue the strain Will he not leave the 99 on the mountains Well cared for In a safe place They're doing fine Let's go get the one that might die If he keeps going Now sheep often get a bad rap As dumb stupid animals Now Now I say that because that's what I've heard over and over and over again and I'm not going to debate that point or even, or even uh, say I don't think it's true. But I, wanna, I, I, I learned something about sheep this week that I, I, I need to share with you. It's that sheep have excellent long-term memory. I don't know why they don't remember not to stray. That's, God knows how he made sheep. But that I, I read that they, could, they can remember as many as 50 faces. 50 faces. For up to two years Now how did they figure that out? I don't know Someone's got a lot of time on their hands What I also heard is that Sheep have a, a, the ability To remember particularly unpleasant circumstances Now I know why, why God says that we're His sheep We're really good at remembering Particularly unpleasant circumstances Aren't we? Sometimes that's the reason we say we wandered Well I left because they treated me this way But Jesus provides for his people And and God goes to great lengths To rescue the strain He provides life He provides continued life He provides eternal life For those who are his own And 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 you know He's all knowing He, He knows better than we do What we need And sometimes we think God you should have given me this And you gave me that But it's because he knows better Sometimes what God gives us We think wait He's all powerful How come I got that? Or you think, hey, God's all-powerful. Why didn't he work this out so that I wouldn't have to go through so much pain? Because he's all-knowing and he knows his plan for us and he knows he has a plan to give us a future and a hope and to prosper us, not to harm us. But there are things we need to go through that are not pleasant. But you know what's interesting is that as God provides for us and we go through those things that aren't pleasant and we have that keen memory To remember these things It reminds us to run to Jesus To swim as fast as we can to Jesus You go overboard And you want to swim to Jesus Not the empty water Not the open, not the open sea You want to go where there's an anchor Jesus cares for you he, he provides for his people And he cares for you You think about in the Bible Where he, get, he calls people by name Calls people by name in Matthew, Matthew was was known by name and Zacchaeus. Here's this wee little man. Jesus says, "Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house." How about Lazarus? Here's a good one, Lazarus. Lazarus dies. His good buddy Lazarus dies, and he he calls him out of, of death in back into life by name. "Lazarus, come forth." Providing for his people. He provides for you. You say, well, little old me, I, no one knows me, I, I'm unknown. Not to God. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. And when you're strained, He's coming after. He's coming after you, not with condemnation, but with compassion. And He'll go to great lengths to bring the strain back. how else is that care displayed look at verse 13 verse 13 says and and if he finds it and we know god always finds what he's looking for this is the parable if he finds it this shepherd truly i say to you he rejoices over it even more than the 99 it didn't go astray well does that mean he doesn't love the other 99 of course not of course he loves the 99 but he's just rejoicing them anyway but he's rejoicing over the fact that what was lost has been found Think about it in the Gospels, the, even that, that, little, that little trio of, in Luke of, of the lost things that, that are being found. There was a lost coin, a lost sheep, and, and a lost son, a prodigal that wandered wa- far, far, far away. But what do we see? What do we see in verse 13 here? We see that Jesus protects his people. The Good Shepherd protects his people. He protects his sheep. He leaves the 99 on the mountain where it's safe. And he goes and searches for the wandering. He leaves the other one safe and secure. And then he, he, he goes and, and gets the one that is in danger. Acts chapter 20. You see a, um, see a situation where Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he is leaving and he... They're crying. They, they don't want him to leave, and, and they don't want they don't want Paul to keep going. They want him to stay with them. That's how much love they had for this under shepherd of theirs. Uh, under the chief shepherd, there was this shepherd that was going to care for the flock, but he was talking to the shepherds of this flock in Ephesus. He's talking to the elders. What does he say? You know, by the way, sheep wander, we know that from the Bible. <laughs> I don't have any sheep I I haven't seen it really in person but I've read it in the Bible and so I believe it the sheep wander you're probably the same unless there's some sheep farmers here you're probably the same as me in that regard but sheep wander and they become prey for predators and this is important business and this is this is life and death stuff this is important and so 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 God seeks us when we stray but there's built in safety features and 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 they come in the form of people called elders who are going to shepherd the flock. 1 Peter 5 says, shepherd the flock. Peter talks to the other elders. As your fellow elder, he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. When the chief shepherd appears, you're going to receive the unfading crown of glory. But Acts 20 says, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders and he says in verse 28 pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock very similar to what he said to Timothy when he said pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching pay close attention to yourself and to all the flock Paul says in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers you didn't make yourself one the Holy Spirit made you one in that assembly that you are in The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. That's the role of an elder. That's the role of a shepherd. Care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Is it important? You bet it is. He obtained this church with his own blood. Paul goes on to say in verse 29, I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. What do savage wolves do? They tear sheep apart. They have a, a, a one of those churrasquerias with sheep, you know, big uh, barbecue, but they don't cook them, they just eat them. Like sushi, sheep sushi or something. They, they, they don't spare the flock. And he says, From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Verse 31, Therefore be on alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And he gives them assurance. He says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's really interesting when it goes right and when the lost come back there's rejoicing here Paul is saying i've been i i i've been I, i'm with with tears i'm admonishing you but when someone goes the right way when the sheep comes back there's rejoicing god protects his his own, like a shepherd, and that includes going after the one wandering, and part of that is saying, My son has been found. Just like the, pro- the father of the prodigal. He rejoices. He was, he was dead, and now he's, he's alive. He rejoices over finding the wandering, just like the shepherd. He rejoices over that, that, that one that came back more than the 99 that never went astray learned something else about sheep this week they cannot uh if they get in a certain position they can't get back up um so if you see a a sheep on his back please help him all right help him get up because they'll die within about an hour if if they don't if they don't get up i don't know why but that's what i read but god rejoices over lost things being found He protects his sheep. The sheep has gone, wandered off, in danger from wild beasts, in danger from itself. It falls over and can't breathe and dies within an hour. And he protects his own by going and getting them. And it's not just, hey, you shouldn't have wandered off. But, I love you. Let's rejoice. Let's... Kill the fatted calf. God rejoices over lost things being found. You think about how you rejoice when you find something you lost. You lost your keys. You find them. Wow. Praise God. You lost some jewelry. You lost your mind. Whatever it is you lose and you find it. You rejoice. Well, how about a a wandering soul worth more than keys and jewelry? I think so. What else do we see that, that, that God does as a shepherd, that Jesus does as a shepherd? Look with me at verse 14. Jesus says, So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I love it when Jesus keeps saying, My Father who is in heaven. You, oh, hey, don't have any misconception about what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God Almighty here. I'm, that's me. I'm the Son Equal with the Father. My my Father. It's not the will of my Father. It is not what He wants that one of these little ones should perish. What does that mean? It means that one of these little ones who believe in Him isn't going to perish. This is good news. This is really good news. Notice that it's the little ones who believe that don't perish. Notice that it's the will of the Father for the little one who believes not to perish. What do we see here? That Jesus preserves his people. He possesses them. He owns them. Go back up to verse 12. Verse 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep. You know, maybe the most important word in this passage is the word, that little word, has. Circle, it has. Why is that so important? Because it signifies ownership it signifies possession he has those sheep they are his he owns them he didn't rent them he didn't borrow them he didn't steal them the, the, the devil is a thief the devil is a liar he comes only to steal and kill and destroy but Jesus what did he say I came to him, they might have life and have it to the full go with me to John 10 John chapter 10 Jesus, speaking of himself being the the chief, uh, the good shepherd. It's where he said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Verse 10. Jesus preserves his people. They are his possessions. How does he possess his own? You've got to go all the way to the end of the story. You've got to go all the way to eternal security of believers. You've got to go all the way to being safe and secure in the arms of Jesus forever. And then you come back all the way till now and say from now until then, you're safe. You're secure. You're owned. You're possessed by God. No greater assurity. No greater security. No greater assurance. I just coined a new word, didn't I? Assurity. Security and assurance. Assurity. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus said in verse 27 of John 10, My sheep hear my voice. That's the word of God, by the way. If you're hearing other voices, it's not the voice of God. The word of God is the voice of God. Uh, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. So he's speaking about his sheep. He owns them. And he gives them eternal life. That's forever. And they will never perish. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him these little ones who believe should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not a possibility. It is a for sure fact. Jesus says, it. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. If you're one of Jesus' sheep, you will never perish. And then he says, And no one will snatch them out of my hand. He provides eternal life for them. He protects them and preserves them. And in case they weren't convinced, he said, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And in case there was any confusion, he says, I and the Father are one. I'm God and I have my own and I'm never going to lose them they're going to be secure Jesus preserves his people he he assures them Romans 8 speaks of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God giving us assurance the Spirit bears witness with, with our spirit that we are children of God. He says in verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's the eternal security of believers. You're going to have life. He's going to give you that life. Verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, are, not might be, not hope to be, but know you are. No Christian should live without assurance of salvation. No Christian should live without the security that God gives so that you could be free to serve instead of worrying about your standing. The Holy Spirit is doing this and he's making you like Christ and he is keeping you secure. And so that word perish becomes a a non-issue for us who believe. See, God is always effective in his search and rescue missions. He he doesn't fail in any mission he undertakes. So when you stray, if you belong to him, you're coming back. If you stray and you don't belong to him, you're not coming back. Wandering star. The, the darkness has been reserved. If you stray and you belong to him, he preserves you by providing for you and protecting you and bringing you back. He seeks the lost. In other that word lost here in some of your Bibles doesn't mean someone who isn't saved. It's one who has a believer who has wandered. I lost my sheep. Not fully, fully lost, just kind of lowercase l lost. And what does God do As he preserves his his people He ensures that every believer Is eternally secure God assures every believer That they are eternally secure That his his work Is not our work To make ourselves eternally secure Or even make ourselves feel that way Our thoughts can deceive And what's the purpose of this text? What's the purpose of this parable? We've seen a lot here a lot about jesus and what he does as the good shepherd as the chief shepherd as the great shepherd but why tell this parable here why tell this parable now why tell this parable in the middle of matthew 18 we're looking at church discipline next week it's going to get juicy why why is it here What did Jesus want them to know? What did Jesus want them to to be? What did Jesus want them to do? What did Jesus want from us as we read this in the middle of Matthew 18? Here's what he wants us to know. That he is the shepherd that cares so much that he provides for and protects and preserves his sheep so that we would be secure in his love and not just stop there and think, oh, it's just about me and Jesus, but that we would be secure in his love and in turn care for other believers in the same way way that's what this is about don't trip others up don't treat them with contempt receive one another jesus is the shepherd and the guardian of our souls and he cares deeply for his sheep and he wants us to care deeply for his sheep that's the point of this parable being right here God wants us to know how much he cares for his own so that we would care in the same way. Jesus wants us to know how much he cares for us so that we would care for others. And there, by the way, are huge, huge gospel implications to that. It matters immensely how we interact with each other. God wants us to care like Jesus So that others are strengthened. Jesus cares so deeply for his church. We should care so deeply for his church. Jesus wants us to know how much he cares for us. So that we will let other people know how much he and we care for them. Love one another. As I've loved you. And if God is like this How dare anyone Treat his people With contempt Or cause them to stumble Gospel implications We're in the middle of a chapter Where people are saying Who's the greatest That there's temptations to sin And cause people to stumble Next week we're going to see What do you do when your brother sins In this covenant community of faith We're going to talk about the unforgiving servant and divorce and children and laborers in a vineyard and a mother's selfish request for her sons to be one and two next to Jesus. We're going to see some situations that that demand us to be like Christ and not like the world. And so this placement of this parable is perfectly placed and there are gospel implications here because Jesus provides he wants us to be generous, not stingy generous, not stingy, generous with appropriate praise, not generous with criticism not manipulation, you know the old if you love me you will no you know, generously, generous, we say jokingly hey I'm a giver, not a taker, right I'm a giver, not a taker You've got to give God's people what they need. The ones around you. You see a need, you've got to give them what they need. They're emotional and physical and spiritual and every other kind of all needs that are going on in people's lives. Some of you uh, engage in re-gifting. You get a gift, you don't like it, you give it to someone else for their wedding. A lot of weddings coming up in this church and there's going to be a lot of re-gifting going on. God wants you to be a re-gifter, but not in the way of giving what you don't want. But he says, freely you've received, freely give. Re-gift in the best possible way. The church is the best place to re-gift in God's way. What other gospel implications are there besides the fact that he wants us to be generous and not stingy? Jesus provides so we need to provide for others okay well because Jesus protects he wants us to be engaged not distant he goes and searches and then he rejoices you don't do that at a distance you don't do that at arm's length the prodigal's father embraced him when he came back so we got to be involved in each other's lives sharing our lives with the people of God involved with each other's lives loving each other loving the brethren sharing the gospel in our lives, very dear to each other, needing one another. The value of one sheep whom the shepherd loves and seeks and and provides for and protects ought ought to show us how important it is for us to guard our brothers and sisters in Christ, to protect our brothers and sisters in Christ by being engaged with them. If the father searches for his sheep, if the angels are watching over, how much ought we to be doing our utmost to protect one another? Go back to that idea of of Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders in in Acts 20, 28. Be on guard for yourselves and all the flock. Our our elders and pastors here at Grace are the best. They guard the flock. They, They under shepherd. They none of them thinks this is their church. This is Christ's church. And because of that, they want to shepherd the flock of God among us. I'm so thankful for spirit indwelt, sold out, committed, called out servants of Christ that I serve next to ever, on a daily basis. But this is not just the job of elders to be engaged and not distant, this is the job of the entire church, all believers. Jesus cares for you so then you can be sure he's loving you and has your best in mind so then you need to love your brother and have his best in mind. There are some crazy grocery checkers around. The ones that throw your food into the bag sometimes missing. They throw your stuff in the bag like it's trash. Crazy grocery checkers. Yesterday I was at the supermarket and I thanked the lady that was putting the food and I said thank you for caring for the food in such a way that you don't break it as it's going in she goes oh yeah Those, the, the guys that throw it in they don't care if you care if we care if I care I'm not going to throw you around I'm not going to treat you like I don't care if you break God wants us to be engaged not distant uh, handle with care the good hands people you're in good hands spiritually relationally the church how about being a stretcher bearer not a pall bearer I've done that before you're carrying a dead person maybe you are how about a paramedic going after and helping and triaging and finding what's going engage in someone's life to the point to make a difference how about being a cheerleader not a critic How about not tackling your own team? Football player tackles his own teammate. That doesn't cause touchdowns. Not for his own team. Trip and stumble, and how about carrying him on a stretcher? How about being a spiritual EMT instead of a spiritual thief? How about being a caregiver? there are people all over who are just caregivers they care for the needs of someone else there are people that have, need a 24 hour caregiver that's a big job that's a big job care like a nurse, nurse I love being around nurses nurses and, and firemen and policemen I love having friends who are nurses and, and, and peace officers and firefighters because I, I know if something happens they're gonna, they got it they got my back What do we say? Oh, I don't care what you say or do. I don't care what they do. Really? In the church, we need to care. Care like a best friend. What else? One last thing because Jesus preserves his own, owns his own, possesses them fully. God wants us to be preaching, not playing. What do I mean by that? I mean that we need to be seeking the salvation of others, not self-gratification. It's so easy for us to be so wrapped up. It's so easy for me to be so wrapped up in my own things that I miss the deeper, greater, more important things. We need to point people to the reason for hope and rejoicing. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Romans 10 says to us, how you know um, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Preaching is a good thing. It means you're proclaiming. Let's reclaim that word. It doesn't mean do something bad. It means to do something good. It means to to proclaim to them words of life. It's been taken a negative connotation. Quit, Quit preaching to me. Quit preaching at me. It's not a bad word. It means to proclaim the truth. So find every way you can to proclaim the truth to those who are in need. And as the last time I checked, that's every living human being. Be a billboard for Jesus. Be a skywriter for Jesus. Find whatever platform God has given you and be that. Use words if you need to. You're going to need to get to words. But don't let, your, don't let your life pull the rug out from under the words that you're speaking of truth. Heaven and hell are at stake. Never perish. Never be lost in the ultimate sense you know we have perishable food all over the place i don't like going to a picnic where there's deviled eggs sitting out in the sun cheese sweaty salami no perishable things leave the milk out i'm not going to drink it but we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ for a salvation that is imperishable Reserved in heaven for you. It will not fade away. It's undefiled. So if you're straying, if you're wandering like a lost child, like a lost hiker disoriented by dehydration, like a stray dog needing a home, like a runaway far from home, like a prodigal, if that's you or that's someone you know, you can pray them back. You can go get on a plane and go bring them back. Your puppy leaves, you're going to go after it you can't leave you say tough break <laughs> tell you so much going on here you were continually straying like sheep now you've come back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls so much going on maybe you haven't given much thought recently about how much God cares for you maybe it seemed like too light of an idea it's the biggest idea that you can think of right now and it's the one that's going to inspire you to care for others Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the good shepherd. Jesus, you are the good shepherd who feeds and protects and keeps your sheep. So that we'd be assured of your loving care. And that we would be inspired to care for others. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes and move us as you desire.